Hey y'all, welcome to this week's episode of Seeking Sabiluria. This is a podcast about seeking higher knowledge through modern spirituality, self-discovery, and life purpose. So thank you so, so much for being here. This week, I'm really excited to introduce a special guest I have on the episode, Chris from theskybeckons.com. Chris is the founder of The Sky Beckons, and we had a really great time talking about what he does, his own self-discovery journey, and living out his purpose. And so Chris is a practitioner in Virginia, but he also does virtual work and distance work as well. And so Chris is a Reiki master, an integrated energy therapy practitioner, a tuning fork therapy practitioner, access bar practitioner, certified infinite possibilities trainer, intuitive and spiritual life purpose coach, and a certified Dharma coach. So he has a lot of offers. So I really am excited to go into what all that is in this episode. And then we also go into a lot of the healing and metaphysical work that he does and what his journey has looked like on his self-discovery journey. And then we also go into talking about the Reiki session that he that he did on me, my first ever Reiki session that I've ever done. So that was really, really exciting to talk about. Also how he went from feeling like this, he was in this really low place in his life when he was in the military to now living the life of his dreams and manifesting the abundance that he has in his life and being able to every day do what he loves. He also shares about his plant medicine experience. He gives advice for people on their self-discovery journey and people who maybe feel like they're at that this really rough place in their life and then he also goes in about how he started his reiki journey and what all that means for him and much much more so this is really such a loaded episode with so much good spiritual advice and information and examples of different ways of knowing yourself better right through his story I can go on and on about talking about what we talked about. It was really such a great episode and experience to talk with him and and to be able to both also talk about just the process of sharing our journey and sharing our voice more and more. I'm really, really excited for you all to listen to this. Without further ado, I introduce Chris from The Sky Beacon. Hello, Chris, and welcome to the podcast, Seeking Sabiduria. I'm so happy and excited to have you here with me today. We've already had the chance to get of getting to know each other, so we'll definitely talk about that. So glad that you're here. I wanted to just start off with you maybe introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about yourself. I know that you're a coach and a healer, and you have this long, long list of metaphysical and spiritual offers as a coach and a healer. We can start off maybe you telling us a little bit about um, what that journey has looked like for you in developing your healing practice and in your business and maybe how that's evolved over time. Sure. Um, that was a lot. Well, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, so, uh, Chris Gates, I like to label myself, uh, cause we all love labels, uh, spiritual fitness coach, energy healer, hacker, uh, recovering, angry and depressed guy. 
Um, and what I like to do with probably this leg of my journey or the people that are listening to this podcast is I like to help and assist people on their healing journey so they can begin to love themselves, connect with their inner child and identify their life purpose. And I do that through energy healing, coaching, metaphysical education, and just being an accountability partner to people. Um, so like that's, that's the elevator pitch, um, like other things that describe me, um, army vets. So I spent a good amount of time in the military. Um, I'm a husband, father, we have three kids. Yeah. Sid Hacker, I might, you know, my day job is in information security. So I've been doing that. I've given talks all around the world on various kind of hacking topics, broken into lots of buildings, broken into lots of systems and computers. Um, and I really, that was one way I was like doing my Dharma. I don't know if you've talked about Dharma on this because we were in DCI. Um, you know, my Dharma is like, I'm a researcher. And so I love understanding how things work. And there's no limit to the amount of things to research and discover as as it is to this reality and all the things around us. So I think it was just a natural extension of my my passion for computers uh, to move into hacking reality, hacking myself, hacking my emotions, uh, and just really understanding how things work. Thanks so much for giving that introduction. I wanted to just jump off what you were saying about your archetype. So when you say your your dharma is being a researcher, that just reminds me of, you know, the dharma archetypes. And we were both in DCI, and that's how we know each other and have the opportunity of meeting one another. And they teach us about the different archetypes and how there's a quiz online that you can take. I'm imagining that your number one is the researcher then. Absolutely. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So I, I know a little the one bit. That's the hardest to monetize. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's interesting that you say that because there's all these archetypes and I think that we all have a little bit of them in us all and we can all kind of hone in on each archetype when we want, but everybody has these dominant archetypes. For me, it's nurturer and then I have visionary, but then my third one was researcher, which I was kind of surprised about, but I think that the researcher is one that I've really depressed a little bit. Like I was in a, a doctorate program where I had to do a lot of research and I had a really bad experience there. And I just shunned that away from myself a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I realized also that I, I am a researcher. I'm a researcher of myself. I'm a researcher of other people because I love to look at other people's like charts and things like that. I mean, and how, now how as do a you podcast host, right? And now, now as a, yeah. Digging into everyone that gets himself in the hot seat here. Yes. So. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how you discovered that and how that manifests into your life and how it's, you use it for your purpose? Yeah, I, lo um, I love what you said. Like, And I agree a thousand percent. Everyone embodies all of the Dharma archetypes and you navigate through them at different points of your life. So I definitely, when I was in the military, was... Probably if I had taken that quiz would have been more of the warrior archetype because that's where I saw my role at the time. Now my second one is teacher, which which kind of makes sense. Those those kind of go together. Um, I can't remember what the rest of them are, but I love thinking about those. And you know, I'm a big believer in if you want to navigate somewhere in your life, you need to know where your your starting point is. So in the military, if you want to go somewhere, you shoot an azimuth with a compass. Um, no one probably has to do that anymore because we have phones and, and maps. But back in the old days, if you wanted to navigate through the woods, you knew once you figured out where you were and where you wanted to go, you just did a little math and you just walked in that direction. And I really look at things like 
knowing our natal charts, knowing our uh, human design, knowing our archetypes is understanding where your origin point is. And when you understand where your origin point is, it's much easier to navigate wherever it is you want to go. So as when I coach, those are things that I, I have people do. And I found myself probably the same way that a lot of people do with Sahara Rose. It's just her Instagram, um, her talking about Dharma. And I didn't, you know, I'd read it in some Buddhist texts, but I would say I didn't really understand what it was at the time. And that led me to her book. And I read her book. Um, and that got me to sign up for her 21 day course, which then got me into like the, the, the funnel for DCI. Mm -hmm. Um, but DCI was a really great experience for me. I learned so much and everyone in there was great. Instructors were great. Um, really helped me put some mis missing pieces in my coaching business together. So it was completely worth the, the money and ex time and experience. Thanks for sharing that also about your experience because um, I wanted to mention that too about how we know each other through the D Dharma Coaching Institute and we actually were both at the Sunbeam Way event in California that they had and I remember seeing you there but we never had you know we never came in contact or anything but I remember because you stood out so much because there's a lot of women mostly women there and so you definitely stood out as one of the few men that were at the event if you can talk about more your past in the military and so I would love to hear your journey of going in this place that's very masculine that warrior type of energy that fighter in the military and then how did you transition to something that is more spiritual and not in that realm I, you probably can explain that difference in that transition much better than I can but it is kind of a very unique story than the majority of maybe spiritual coaches that are out there so I would love to hear more about what that journey has looked like for you yeah uh don't let me get too long-winded so <laughs> but I'll, I'll go into it I think a lot of people, especially people that are into healing or coaching, they have an, a desire to serve, um, especially if you're in, especially in this like a U.S. centric answer. Uh, the U.S. promotes a lot of service in a lot of the propaganda that it, it, it puts out, movies um, and everything. So I had an intense desire to serve. And I think a lot of humans on the planet do. And in the United States, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of popular options for service. You can be a doctor, you can be an EMT, fireman, police, military. There's probably a few others, but um, you know, being an energy healer or a coach is not on, on the popular list of service. Even though, as we'll get into, like that becomes a very really important thing of service later. But it's not one of the ones that they're they're teaching the kids. So um, I naturally, found myself. Uh, wanting to serve and I wanted to, uh, you know, either wanted and I, and I did double, I was a EMT. I was a medic in the army when I joined I was an enlisted, listed person. And uh, yeah, cause I, I joined cause I wanted to help people and do that thing. Um, when you're in the military, you come to find out we don't all, we go places and do things that may be overall well-intentioned on the macro level, but they, they do affect families and people at a, at a more of a micro level. And that's, probably a polite way of saying they go through and mess things up a lot of times. Um, I also, while I was in, you know, I, I ended up getting, had a really great um, squad leader who got me to, to apply to West Point. So I'm actually a West Point graduate uh, and then became an army officer and was doing communications. That's how I kind of got into the computer side of things later. Um, so yeah, long winded way of saying wanted to serve. Um, 
come to find out after my time in the military, um, I didn't, thankfully didn't have to go to combat. I have a lot of classmates that did. I had a lot of, quite a few classmates that didn't come home from it. Um, so I was very, find myself very lucky to not have, not having, not to not have to have done that. Uh, I volunteered a few times and uh, I, in retrospect can see the universe was looking out for me. And the two times I had, had the haircut, the hair was longer than it's like super short now, but I had this haircut because we were getting ready to go to war. Uh, and both times the trips got canceled at the last minute. Wow. <clears throat> and then we had our, we, then we had our daughter and um, I said, I, I stopped volunteering at that point because I kind of wanted to have, you know, see her grow up. Um, so while I was in, uh, I think my first bits of depression were definitely, I definitely, when I look back on my life, definitely had depression um, when at like post West Point as an army officer. And unfortunately at the time, and I don't know if it's any better now, cause you know, I, I got out in 2009. Um, talking about mental health was not something that you did. It made you, it, it, you were considered weak. You were considered untrustworthy. Um, if you had a clearance, you would lose your clearance. Lots of, you know, like bad things or in, in quotes, bad things would happen if you started saying you were having any sort of troubles. Um, and so I did what everyone else did, which is just press that, push that stuff down. And while I was, while I was in the military, I pushed that down with, with drinking and alcohol. Uh, and when I got out of the military, I pushed that down with other, other substances. Uh, so I just wouldn't register it. I wouldn't think about it. I would just numb myself to it. Now, like any good alcoholic or person that struggled with substance abuse knows, eventually you hit a bottom point with that. Um, and then you have to decide what to do. And so I had hit the bottom point. I w it was like 20, I think it was like 2015, 2016. I was at, I was in Las Vegas. I was at the big hacker conference. I had this amazing job surrounded by amazing friends. And I was the, at the lowest point I had ever been in my life. I just didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be on the planet anymore. Um, and that's when I, I finally like had the recognition. It's time to get some help. Um, and I, you know, I said, okay, went and saw the doctor we had the kind of, kind of the first consult. It was like, okay, we'll, we'll do this and that. And we'll put you on some meds. And I came across this video by Dolores Cannon and she's a past life hypnosis regressionist. She also has her own hypnosis tech, uh, quantum hypnosis healing techniques, but came across this video on YouTube and it was like, some of the problems you might be having in this life may be tied to past lives. I've not ever really heard of that concept, but I'd come across a little bit of money and I said, okay, I'm going to try this thing out. It was just sticking. You know, sometimes things just stick with you and you can't shake them. And that's really come to find out later. That's really spirit telling you that's something you need to investigate. Um, so went and had some hypnosis sessions and did some past life regressions. Uh, I'd say the first one was, um, Oh, just okay. <laughs> uh, but the second one, I had this just amazingly beautiful experience of connecting to you know, what I would call the universe or source and it coming in and it's giving me this embrace. And prior to that, I felt really alone, even though I had a house full of people and friends, I felt super alone on, on this planet. And after that moment, I didn't feel alone anymore. I felt there was just more. And that was, you know, I think that was where, that was where I hit the bottom and we started coming up is, mm -hmm. is that, is that kind of that moment in that session. And 
uh, in one of the other sessions, and I, I wish I had the recording this because I tell the story and I just wish I had, I wish I had the recording of me saying it, but I told myself I needed to learn Reiki and I had never heard that word. I didn't know what it was. After the session, the hypnosis practitioner was trying to explain it to me and she's like, it's this energy healing thing. And, you know, and I was like, that, that sounds like super silly. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Um, and so I, I just, I just tabled it. It was in the back of my mind. I would say like six, seven, eight months later, just having, just going through some other things in my life. When I, when I say hit the bottom, it doesn't mean like we rocket shipped back up to, to feeling great. That was just in retrospect, the bottom point. So we're still, still going through some stuff. And I found myself on a Reiki table. I said, okay, I remember, I remember telling myself I needed to, to learn this. I might as well go have a session. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I met one of my first, you know, spiritual mentors here in Northern Virginia um, with that Reiki session and, you know, joined her mentorship. And that was uh, six months of really starting to learn who I am. So, you know, we, we did chakra balancing and astrology and numerology and uh, connecting with angels and doing, I uh, did my first shamanic journey. Like she exposed you to all these different modalities, but really you're learning who you are as a person, um, which is super important, right? Cause we, we want, we need to know who we are to, to get where we're going. Um, and part of that was just continuing that education track of doing Reiki one. And when you do Reiki one, that's self Reiki. And a lot of your Reiki masters will usually say they want you to do it for 30, 45 days before you go take Reiki two. Reiki two is when you're, you're laying hands and doing energy healing for others. Um, and so I did that for 45 days and cause I, I just wanted to heal. I was still like doing like on the mend, but not doing that great. And I just wanted to heal. I wanted to feel better. And after 45 days, I just felt completely different. And I think like I was explaining to you when we went before, mm -hmm. um, if you do anything for 45 days for 15, 20 minutes, you'll, you'll have a, a market and you'll have a noticeable improvement, right? It doesn't matter what it is, speaking a language or turning wrenches or whatever, painting, whatever it is. If you spend 15, 30 minutes a day for 45 days, you'll be better at it. And so I, yeah, I just felt better. And that, that was the beginning of my energy healing journey. You know, then you did, I did, you know, Reiki too. And then I was volunteering, did a lot of volunteering to, to build up practice and build up confidence. And over time, just found out that it was just one of my, one of my skills and one of my gifts is, is doing that. And of course it's, it's hacker stuff. Cause I'm doing stuff that's not supposed to happen. It's, I'm doing stuff that people don't understand. Um, and so it was, it was also appealing to the other, the other side of my brain that wants to do cool things and, and make my life and myself do these things. And so energy healing and these other things are just like a, a natural extension of that curiosity that I have. Um, yeah. Any, I mean, I can keep going. Any questions so far or. Um, Thank you for all that. I love how you talked about your story of feeling like you were in your low point in your life, but it did take a while for you to get back up there. And it was a journey. Yeah. And what really stood out to me because on this podcast, so Seeking Sabiduria is Seeking Wisdom. So we talk about seeking higher wisdom, but also about your self-discovery journey and how learning about ourselves deeper, going within, right, is the path to leading us to finding out who we are, our truth, and to be able to find out and identify what is our purpose. It seems like that self-discovery journey was a lot of it because you had to come into awareness of what you're, you know, what you were going through at that time and your experiences and le through learning about who you truly are 
it was able to explain why at that time you were feeling so low. Do you also find that these practices of self-discovery were really important? Can you unpack and talk a little bit about what those were? I mean, you talk about Reiki and it, it, it makes sense why Reiki is a huge part of what you do. I remember we'll talk a little bit more also about the Reiki session that you did with me too. But I remember you saying that Reiki, it's your most favorite thing to do. So I imagine that was a huge part of your self-discovery journey. So what was that journey like? Oh man, really good question. Yes. Agree a thousand percent. I think a lot of the reasons for my unhappiness was I was not, not living in my purpose. Mm. And I think a lot of people on this planet personal opinion. This is a, a trust me, bro thing. Um, they feel so awful. They're, they're uns- maybe not awful. They feel unsatisfied because mm-hmm. they're not doing their soul's purpose. And it's really hard to arrive at the right questions to ask. Like most people feel they're missing something. And I was wildly successful. I was making the money. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hit all the boxes that society, I had all the boxes checked that society said I needed to check to be happy. And I wasn't, and it was, it was really throwing me for a loop. Cause you know, my whole life, it was like, when you make this much money, everything will be fine. And well, I hit that number and I went past it and everything wasn't fine. Um, and my, in fact, I might even assert, you know, my problems got worse, right? More money, more problems. Um, so I think that that was a big piece of it was like, I was not doing my soul's purpose. I had, I had dabbled in it, dabbled in it in the military. I dabbled in it um, in information security, but I, you know, and I, and I was serving, I was serving my country, uh, for, I was serving customers as a consultant, serving, you know, the customer of my employer. Um, but I think my soul wanted to do more. Um, and and I'm trying to think about other things, you know, and while I was doing the the Reiki journey, I did a lot of, um, a lot of coaching with another mentor. Um, you know, my heart was really closed. And so I think most people can probably relate to that of just being so hurt by relationships they've had in their life. Um, you know, past girlfriends, past friends betraying you. Um, I would say the military environment isn't one for psychological safety. A lot of times, uh, not with your peers, you're, you're competing for the next duty station. You're competing for, you know, to, to get the jobs that you want to get. So there's a lot of dog eat dog type stuff and a lot of backstabbing and it made it really hard to be psychologically safe. And uh, yeah, I was just working with another, another healer here in Northern Virginia and uh, his focus on was, was really getting me to open my heart. It was so close, but that's really the key. And one of my, one of the Reiki sessions that I offer, the thing that no one's taught me is an opening your heart session because uh, firm believer that, you have to open your heart. And then if you can't open your heart, you can't love yourself. You can't love yourself. You can't love anybody else. So, you know, forgiving yourself, learning who you are, starting to love yourself is so key to, to my, was so key to my healing journey. And I think it's key to most people's healing mm-hmm. journeys because yeah, if you don't have anything to give, if you don't love yourself, how do you mm-hmm. reflect that to other people? Um, so yeah. And, and then my, my fun story about that is, you know, I wouldn't let this guy in paying quite a bit of money for this coaching course and it was like a mix of coaching and energy work um and i think on the second or third one he was like hey man we're not getting as far as you should get because you're not letting me in and i'm so money i'm so money motivated 
that when he said that, I was like, okay, I'm going to let this guy in. And then if he screws me over, like my other self will be right. I can go back to not trusting a single person on this planet anymore. And uh, so I, so long story short, I let him in and he didn't, he didn't screw me over. And that really also helped me start unlocking that. So that mm. there was a lot of, and this, and this is what I love, why I love the intersection of coaching and energy and why I've kind of, I have my own spin on it, but um, you know, you're unlocking things like intellectually with the, like, like traditional coaching materials. Um, but then we're also using energy and, you know, psychic intuitive work to ask better questions. And that's what he did. And yeah, it really helped me just unlock and start letting people in. And when I started, I let him in because I had to trust this guy with some, some, some dirt, right? Like it's like, you trust your therapist with dirt. You know, this guy is kind of my therapist. Um, and so I let him in and I, you know, I survived and he didn't, he didn't take me out. And then, so I was able to start letting my kids in, right? I let started letting in people that I was pretty sure were not going to do me wrong. And then I was able to let my wife in. And, you know, uh-huh. and it really just fundamentally changed our relationship. Um, and this, like I said, this sounds short. This was a journey, mm-hmm. <laughs> a journey, a still unfolding journey. But, you know, the fact that, I, you know, I started letting her in and she realized she wasn't the people that had hurt me in the past. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, spirit had brought me this person that was not like that at all. That's enough for now. Um, mm-hmm. That that was a lot of, yeah, I was like, I got into psychedelics later when I'm, would love to go into that with you but my first part of my journey uh there wasn't really psychedelics mm-hmm. involved it's really more it was a lot of energy healing to bring those things that are stuck in the energetic body up and to clear those so i did a lot of access access consciousness access bars a lot of reiki both as the practitioner as a receiver uh, a lot of integrated energy therapy which is working with angels because I, I just love knowing and learning how to do new stuff i'm a researcher so Someone would put a new a new class in front of me. I'm like, yes, I yes, mm-hmm. I want to know how to do that. That sounds cool. Um, so you know, hundreds of hours later, as a, as a practitioner, it's kind of funny. People think you're so so um, so healed or so something. You know, practitioners heal through their clients as well. The clients that come to you are usually just you, just a little while in the past. So you can resonate really strongly with people that are on your table, your healing mm-hmm. table. I used to get the angry people. And I still do. Mm-hmm. I get the angry people because that's who I was. That was such a core part of my personality. I was so angry. So I get a lot of the angry people, but I'm a little, it gives me the opportunity to talk through them and go, I remember, and I'm not just blowing smoke. Like I was so angry at everyone all the time. And so yeah, I can give them like more practical advice, but then but as a, as a practitioner, you really, you can really connect to some of the things that people are going through. So you're also doing healing while you're working on other people. Really fascinating thing that, um, and I think I said, I, I love Reiki because I get to, it's one of my favorite things. I think it's, I think it's the, you know, the source's gift to humanity that you can mm-hmm. connect to this energy. We feel disconnected from it, but we're really not. And it's really mm-hmm. just going through that process of allowing ourselves to remember that we are connected to this higher self. We're part of all of this. We can connect back into our home at any time. We just need to kind of have the allowance and maybe a little training, um, but you can, everyone connect to it. And so yeah, if I had one wish for the whole planet is everybody would be Reiki one. If everyone knew the power that they have in themselves.
I love that. I totally agree that you're going to get clients that are going to be attracted to also your experience. That's why I think it's so wonderful that there's many different types of coaches out there because there's someone for everyone, right? Everybody's so different. And whoever you end up finding as like a coach or mentor is going to be very resonant with you and your journey and, and your p- coaches are coaching who they were before. And then I also love that you're able to look back and laugh at your journey, you know, that resistance that you you're feeling that you're able to identify that I totally relate to that too that we can look back and see our growth right and be able to poke fun at I think that's so important and I've started to notice a little bit of this pattern and it's also what I talk about in coaching as well that one of the first steps is before launching into finding our purpose and living out our purpose has to be that heart opening, has to be that self-love because we may grow up in a society where being of service is promoted, but there's these very specific ways that we're taught that you can be of service. And with my journey, at least, I was of being of service throughout my whole life. And that's also what I learned from a very young age. But I was putting everybody else first. I was Mm -hmm. wanting to please everybody else. I was a people pleaser, a perfectionist to give me acknowledgement in that way. But I was craving what I wanted for to give myself, really. I was craving from other people that love for myself. Even if I did feel like I I had a lot to give and I was very nurturing, I wasn't giving that to myself. So for anyone, you know, listening, I start there. If you you want to start anywhere, start at that place of opening your heart for self-love because that's the foundation of then being able to move forward and do your self-discovery and create boundaries so that you're not accepting anything less than the love that you deserve. And so I think that's so important for you to, to share that. Agree a million percent. If you don't love yourself, there's, yeah, if your battery, if your tank is empty, you just have nothing else to give. People pleasers really know that because they're giving all the time. Mm. Very rarely are they, are people reciprocating. So it can really cause you to feel unbalanced or, oh, the words, now the words escaping me, but you know, you're not, it's not being reciprocated, which just causes Mm -hmm. you to feel bad. And then from there on, the love that you can give to who the next person that's healing on their journey is going to be so much more meaningful. And I totally agree that it's all a journey. It's a lifelong journey too. And I love how you were saying that through the, your Reiki practice, you're still healing. You are healing. That's such a great perspective because sometimes we can look at healers or gurus as being this end all be all, like that's what we're shooting for, you know, but in reality, they're always learning as well and always growing. I think that it would be a great time to even talk about my experience of doing Reiki with you. And then also if you can talk about the impact that you feel like you have made on other people. So we did a Reiki session. It was a distance Reiki. If you want to maybe explain what that is. Oh, um, I should make you do it, but I can do it. Um, (laughs) um, So the idea of distance Reiki, so, you know, energy healing, energy, you know, quantum physics and quantum mechanics transcends time and space so there's mm-hmm. a lot of like you know quantum entanglement and other things but the the short and easy version is with reiki and with energy you can connect across time and distance so for distance reiki is we're not in the same state you're in california and i'm in virginia and i am energetically because you were open and allowing that for that session allowed to remotely connect with you and um the, the secret of reiki <laughs> is 
I serve as a permission slip that allows you to feel the thing that to feel that connection that you always have. It's just blocked. And so a lot of times the act of like paying someone some money or the, the, the process of listening to the music and getting into the space and laying down, there's this, there's these permission slips that allow us to allow that energy exchange to take place. And so really your practitioner, you're doing the healing but I'm serving as that anchor point to allow you to suspend whatever blocks that are allowing that energy to flow for just a little while. The more of it you do, the more you realize you can connect to that at any point. You don't actually need need somebody, but sometimes it's really nice because they're putting their energy in. It's a co-creation. Yeah. I'm mixing my energy with that, with yours, right? And every experience that you have, Every experience you have with a single healer will be different. Everyone you have with different healers because they're bringing their own magic and their own energy into the session. Um, but yeah, so you can do Reiki symbols that allow you to connect over time and space. And then then it pretty much progresses like you were on the table. Um, I just kind of mentally imagine you on the table. There's a surrogate on the table, like a, there's a teddy bear that we that I use for to kind of like just keep me focused on the hand positions because I can tend to check out as well because I'm, I'm, but raising my vibration to kind of connect. Uh, um, and then the session just proceeds just like you would, if you were here in person. Mm. Was that, yeah. was that good? Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. A whole I'm hour sure. talking about Reiki. Um, <laughs> I have Reiki one on my YouTube, actually, if anyone's really interested, okay. I go into a little bit more of like how, how I feel like it works. The beauty of Reiki is such a gentle introduction to energy healing. Um, and there's a lot of books. There's a lot of a lot of resources that people can can read if um, if they're interested in exploring mm -hmm. that. Um, it's a nice gentle introduction to the topic. Reiki was something that I had heard of, but it's not something that I've ever done. I love that I had you to guide me through it for my very first time because I think it just came at the perfect time in my life. Everything happens for a reason. There are no coincidences. Everybody's in our life for a reason at the perfect divine timing. And this was certainly an amazing time for me to do Reiki at a time, especially where I'm just starting out with this podcast. I'm starting out with opening my throat chakra, with speaking more of my truth. Usually I'm somebody who throughout my whole life has had, I think, more of a closed off throat chakra. I thought it was just so amazing, the experience. I definitely felt in my body these tingling sensations, which you say could be something that a lot of people feel. I was just mind blown when you were saying that you had visualized somebody pulling these cords out of my left side throat chakra. And right around the time that I started the podcast, I was actually starting it and thinking about it and kind of getting my footing in I developed this rash on my neck on my left side and couldn't figure out what was happening so I'm just like whatever maybe I need to be a little bit more healthy and so when you said that it just made so so much sense and also why I felt like it had been going away a little bit the more I started to get in the footing of my podcast speaking more not being so scared of talking about certain things definitely in the beginning I was a little scared of talking about things about my family and my upbringing fears of what people would say or what my family would say you know but over time, over the episodes, I've started to speak out more. So it was such a cool, cool experience to really see that reflected in the session. Is that something that you you'd see a lot? Or yeah, pretty pretty frequently you can pick yeah. up on. Um, and I get to cheat because your I, I think I mentioned your guides come in, my helpers mm -hmm. come in. Um, they will usually kind of point out where where they're working or where where, where people need some some help or some energy and. 
um, yeah, it's, it comes up quite frequently. Sometimes I'll just be divinely or just intuitively guided somewhere. And it's not going to be one of the, like the normal Reiki positions. Um, and they'll be like, yeah, that was the spot. It was my, you know, my right knee has been bothering me. And you're like, cool. Like, I don't know why I did mm-hmm. that. I just kept getting compelled or sometimes the helpers will point and I'll go, okay, let me go over there. Yeah. It's just a really wild experience. And that's really been, that's when, it, when you're talking about just self-discovery is the confidence to do that and to mm-hmm. and me being an engineer, I like a checklist. So mm-hmm. I had a real difficult time when I was learning Reiki and doing Reiki and other people. Well, I got to start on the head and then I got to go here and then I got to go here. And there are other people there that I think maybe just more naturally or just more flowing with it. They're like, well, I just felt like I needed to go here. So that's where I did. And I was like, no, you can't do that. That's no. <laughs> um, but as I've done it, it's, you know, I've just, just the reflection you get back from clients and like, it's a scary moment. Cause I have to go well, this is what I felt or saw. And then like, wait and like hold my breath. And, you know, every session you're like, man, I really hope they felt it. Yeah. So it, it, ha- it happens pretty frequently for me, mm-hmm. um, but in, and it's, it's all, it's a confidence. And just, again, mm-hmm. those are all skills that everyone has. We're just so, you know, you have a lifetime of being told that that stuff is gibberish and fake. Mm-hmm. And um, it takes a while to yeah. unwind all that. But like, I'd like to say in the absence of evidence, and there's not a lot of scientific evidence for energy work you can have repeated experiences my personal experiences repeated personal experiences i think trump a lack of evidence every time that that's how i'm approaching it um there's just so much magic in the universe that just can't be explained but people experience it all the time so when you can experience it over and over and i've now experienced it about a thousand hours worth of time I have to, I just have to go. There's something to it. Even if, you know, even if science says it's unproven or it's pseudoscience, I have my experience and I have my client's experiences. And after a while you have to go, there's just enough evidence to say something's happening. I can't, I can't, of all the places on the body to guess, um, maybe I might guess right once in a while, but if I'm repeatedly guessing the right answer, that's just not it's just statistically mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. And I think that's such a good point of just how society tells us this isn't true. We put a lot of trust into maybe the like Western medical system, into other people telling us about our, our body and what to do. But that's so true that we can tap into this wisdom and by connecting with our body more, you know, maybe yoga is a really good practice for somebody who doesn't really feel connected with their body to start there and just tap in and start to listen because everything that's happening in our body, it started somewhere. It started on an energetic level on a mental emotional level and it's manifesting that's such a good point and that this is something that we can all tap into and it does I think take some kind of level of really believing it too because the more I started to learn about the mind body spirit connection I really love reading about books like that like I think Lewis Hayes I think is her name talks a lot about it the chart that she has, this is the ailment that you're experiencing. This is what's happening on a spiritual, emotional level. This is what you can do to tap into that and to listen to your body and see what you can do. That's so amazing that you are able to do that work for people. What I what I always like to remind myself and others is there were lots of times in the history of medicine and science where we rejected things that turned out to be later, we found out to be true. When someone says, well, that's not proven today, it's not proven today because we don't have the ability to measure some of those things yet, but Mm -hmm. we will. And so that's Mm -hmm. how I look at it. I can think you can think of a thousand cases where 
it was blamed on a million other things. Well, actually, you know, like germs and microscopic mm-hmm. things where it was blamed on all these other things until we developed the technology and to measure and see these things. And then we realized, oh, well, actually, well, we were wrong. It was mm-hmm. actually this. So I go, well, how can we apply the same thing of the things we're saying that are wrong today? Can Maybe we just can't measure them yet. I would tend to lump energy and those other things into that because we don't know how to measure consciousness yet. But I think most of us would agree that we have a consciousness. There's a consciousness mm-hmm. in the meat suit. Um, and so we don't know how to measure that. And once we do, we can probably, we'll probably change a lot of our you know, current standards mm-hmm. of science. The more I feel like myself awakening and just learning more about spirituality and higher consciousness, the more I see it happening around me. So I know it's happening. And it's just a matter of more people learning about all these um, modalities to heal. What is it we get to play in this? It is so fun. And I love that you say it's so fun that we get to play because, yeah, it's all accessible to us. It's about opening our mind and our creativity and our intuition as well to be able to see this. Speaking of opening our minds, I do would love, love (laughs) to talk about your experience with plant medicines, how plant medicine is a tool that we can also use to heal. Yeah. um, So, yeah, yeah, you know, in the last couple years have gotten introduced to some of the various plant medicines, uh, namely like psilocybin, some mushrooms, uh, ayahuasca and wachuma. So, uh, San Pedro cactus, um, started with mushrooms. And I think I, I use them, like I would say recre- recreationally as a kid uh, or a teen- teenager. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, in the last couple of years of learning how to use those in ceremony to answer questions and receive healing or receive guidance uh, and using these these plants and the the spiritual entities that are associated with these plants um you know more most recently in 2022 i had um by no means an ayahuasca expert um but i had two we did two ceremonies down in costa rica on that and I would say like in a, in a short phrase, like completely life-changing, um, you know, there's, there's a, a phrase on the internet that says like a, a thousand hours of therapy in one night. And it, it was like that. Um, my first ceremony, my intention was to understand why I had trouble speaking up and just uh, it was really difficult for me to speak out and to speak up. And then, uh, but then I, but I found myself, I'm in, I'm in a field now well, this half of the field that we're talking about tonight, you're you're gonna bring bring people that are gonna disagree, right? Mm-hmm. And Sahara said it really well. Like when you're talking about, you know, extraordinary things, you're gonna bring it's gonna bring people who disagree with you, and that should actually be good. the The more people that you're tr- you're triggering, or the more people that you're um, causing to shake up, that's actually good. You're you're doing your dharma, you're doing your work. If you're if when you tell the like someone's listening to the story and they're like, no way that's happening. That's actually what's supposed to be happening. I'm supposed to be on, on we're supposed these conversations are supposed to be unlocking things for people. Um, but I was afraid to speak out. And so as someone that wants to talk about coaching and energy healing, that's a that's an interesting duality of being afraid to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because speaking out on it is how you get people to come see you. You know, we talked about you mentioned there's there's a you have clients for you that are, that are looking for you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't speak up or speak out, they don't know you exist. They don't know yes. that you're there and ready for them. Um, 
so yeah, my whole life really difficult. And so that first session had an extremely, extremely uh, rough first ayahuasca session. Spent the whole night in the bucket. I had to relive. So yeah, so I, my, my intention was why am I having trouble speaking up? The medicine very quickly took me very deep and I had to relive a childhood sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And it was a thing that I had like a feeling about, but I had no conscious memory of, but the mm-hmm. medicine took me there. We went through the whole event in extreme detail. And that's when the purging began, just all the, the, you know, as you talked about energy in the body, these, these traumas are energy in the body. Mm-hmm. And what the medicine showed me that night was, um, the act of purging is removing that trauma from your energy body. And so I was like, yeah, give me some of that. This is great. And so I was like, blah, blah. And I was like, this feels great. I'm getting this out. But then it just kept going because there was so much. Yeah. So I relived that and I kind of, the medicine showed me the awful event. And then it showed me telling my father about it and him saying that that didn't happen and that I was making that up and that it, it was not true. And it became very clear to me on the medicine that night. That was the moment where I stopped speaking up because I spoke up to the person that's supposed to, you're supposed to believe you, right? As a child, the, the gods in your life are your parents. That's who's supposed to love you unconditionally, no matter what. And so in that moment, that, that, that didn't happen for me as a, as a little child. And so I, you know, made decisions there as, as a six or seven year old boy that, okay, well, people, I need to have so much evidence that no one can refute what I'm saying. And my, I, and, and then the, you know, the mother medicine just showed me all these instances in my life where I had to be the smartest person in the room. I had to have all this evidence. I had, to, I had to, before I would say anything. I had to have about three different ways I could go after, you know, retort to anybody that things that would come up. And as you probably know, that's exhausting. It's exhausting to be the smartest person in the room all the time. It also limits your growth because you're, you're going to stunt yourself so that you are always at the apex where really your growth comes from being around people that know more than you and have things to offer you. So I got to, to see how a lifetime, a lifetime of things just, just, erupted from that moment um and the beauty of that medicine is you process it and you get it out and it just becomes an event that happened and so now i'm able to speak about this awful awful experience there's not really any emotion to it and it's i think it's really hard it's hard i don't know if that lands for people because like you know the, the things that i haven't processed on that medicine still have a lot of emotion but this really significant thing, it doesn't. Um, but it, be- beautiful, beautiful experience. Uh, after, <laughs> in retrospect, it was a really, really rough night because then I went, I went into, um, you know, my my soul self just went into like going through all the awful things that I had seen in all my different lives, and I was just puking the whole night. I'm sure I was definitely on my own planet for quite a while, and you come to find out people were quite worried about me. Actually, I didn't know it at the time because I was just in it so hard, but, you know, talking to the shaman, you know, the next day or later, it was like, yeah, I was actually quite worried about you and people coming down and trying to pour water on me and get me to come out of it. I was, I was in pretty deep, but 
that's exactly what I needed. The medicine will bring you exactly what you need. Um, yeah, I don't know. Any any questions on that? I mean, it's a, that was a lot. Um, yeah, let me, I'll pause. Thank you so, so much for sharing yeah. that, for sharing your experience and about being open about your story as well. Thank you. And I think that this is going to be so helpful and healing to a lot of people who can really resonate with that and connect with that. It's such a powerful healing story so thank you so so much for sharing that and i do hear that a lot you know about plant medicine it's not something that i've ever done but wow that is such a powerful powerful experience and the fact that now you know you can talk about it i relate to that because sometimes i wonder as a coach how can i coach people who are going through what i was going through maybe five years ago when i don't feel like i'm in that place anymore i feel very detached from it because i have healed a lot from it i'm wondering how are you able to now reconcile with that and i i think you just kind of talk about it how you're still kind of wondering like does it feel very detached or not that's something i am grappling with too yeah i mean just a couple a couple of random statements about medicines like so i certainly think people should understand um it's not a it's not a cure-all for everything um people should only go to these medicines if they're feeling called and they're not for some, they're not for a lot of people. You know, some people say, oh, everyone should do that. I, I don't feel like they should. I, th I think, uh, you know, ayahuasca calls people that it knows it can help and that have purposes on this mm. planet. The other thing to really remember about all plant medicines from my perspective is the integration mm -hmm. and the embodiment is where the work is. So uh, to kind of like paraphrase something that uh, the shaman down at Ruhani is, is the center down in Costa Rica. Um, he says that plant medicines, they bring you up to the top of the mountain. Mm -hmm. You see all the stuff, you see all the, oh, that that switchback or that trail, that's a little sketchy. This is that. You, you can kind of see the path. You see where you need to go. You can, you can see some things. It brings you back down. And now mm -hmm. you have to, mat you, while you've gotten a preview of, of the path, you actually have to walk it. Mm. And so I, I do, I read like the ayahuasca subreddit a lot. And you, I, what I get from that from some people is they keep having these ceremonies one after the other, after the other, the other. they're not embodying, they're not integrating mm. the lessons. Like ayahuasca gave me a long list of things to work on when I got home. Mm. And some of them I did and a lot of them I didn't. And you know, six months later, when I went back for the second ceremony, she she showed me that and we talked about some of that and had i done some of the things that she had told me to do like some things we're trying to accomplish now would have been much easier if i had followed the instructions so mm -hmm. i didn't understand the instructions all i didn't understand maybe all the meaning of the instructions it became clear six months later had i done the thing th the instructions were given i just didn't follow them mm -hmm. i didn't embody it and integrate all that um i've obviously integrated some of this because another lesson that she said was to share to share that story um, to share it on social media. And it, I didn't do it until after the second ceremony, six months mm -hmm. later, I, I finally did do the, the TikToks and Instagrams, uh, where I, where I told that essentially that story in a few parts. So, um, it's important to, to find, find a coach or find, hopefully mm -hmm. the facility that you go offers some of that, um, or find a coach an integration coach or someone that, that can kind of help you because you come back and you've had this life-changing experience, but the whole world was the same while you were gone. You say, well, I was a square 
when I left. I came back, I'm a triangle, right? Or I'm a, I don't know, hexagon, whatever mm -hmm. you change yourself into. But as soon as you get back into where you were, there's a lot of energy and a lot of force and a lot of momentum that's trying to put you back into a square. So you really need some coaching or you know, you can do that. It doesn't have to be like a life coach. It's like, you it can just eat the group of people you're with. It's really hard to navigate on your own because there's a lot of momentum. Like you spent mm -hmm. years like that. There's a lot of momentum to put you back into a square when you've, you've changed. So having the coach, having a, a group of pe people that you trust, having someone that you can say, man, I'm struggling this week. Like, you know, I was told all these things to do and like, I didn't do them. I'm such a bad person. You need, some, you need someone to go, you're fine, man. Like you're human. And we're, we're just learning to navigate this. We're learning to be our authentic self. Um, and we're gonna, we're gonna fall back into routines. We're gonna make mistakes and it's okay, but we can be really hard. We're all, usually our harshest critics, really helpful to have someone to go, you know, it's not that bad. Dust yourself off and just keep going. That's that's the lesson. It's like, oh, I I messed that up. That was well, that was bad, lol. And, and go, okay, let's 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 keep going with with whatever we're here to do. We're here to learn and make mistakes and and and, and go through that. We're not going to do it perfectly the first time. Thank you so much. I think that's great advice and an important disclaimer about this because some plant medicines could be glamorized. People can think like everybody else is having these experiences, these awakenings. Maybe it is something that I should do, but I think that's so important for people to know that everybody's going to be called to what is meant for them. That's certainly how I've felt with every healing modality that I've used. I met a shadow work practitioner at just the perfect time in my life when I really needed to understand that. Whereas now with Reiki, I feel like I found that it's a great time where I really, really needed to understand, you know, what was going on with this rash that was happening. So it's all going to happen in divine timing. And we have to really be aware of where is this pressure coming from? Is this something that I really do feel like I'm being called to do? Or is it something that maybe I'm feeling external pressure? And then also having that integration after. It's not just about doing coaching or getting the astrology session afterward. How are we going to integrate this in a way that is at our pace exactly what we need and also taking care of ourselves so so important thank you so much you're very welcome yeah th agree a thousand percent it's all about you, you can read a million books but if you don't mm -hmm. actually do the use the things in the books mm -hmm. it's a different set of knowledge right Thank you so much for this wisdom. And I think that was just great advice to end on. Is there any other advice you feel like you want to give out? Any other wisdom for people that might be on their healing journey, maybe a similar journey that you were on? Yeah, it's funny. I'm, the, the, the advice that's coming in is not advice I would have like written down. It is <laughs> being okay to outgrow your healers, right? So you can use them, but when you, sometimes people feel like they need to stay with someone forever. You may outgrow your healers and that's good. That's and, a good one. And to just say, okay, thank you. I, I love you. Thank you for mm. the growth and healing. Um, I'm intuitively feeling like I need to go work with this other person to take me to the next level of my journey. Um, that, yeah, that's that's what's coming in to, to share. I love that. And find it, and I'll selfishly say, yeah, find a coach. You know, um, you don't have to go, you don't have to do this alone. There's a lot of, uh, Laura's here, I'm here. All our classmates mm -hmm. are here. There's a lot of people that, are feel that feel called to assist people, be accountability partners or someone to, you know, share their wisdom and what they've gone through. You know, you don't have to do it alone. 
Awesome. Thank you so, so much. That's, that's a really good one. And something that I don't, I haven't really thought about going into that inner wisdom and intuitively knowing, okay, what do I need now at this time? But speaking of having coaches out there, if you can share people who do want to work with you, where can they find you? And is there anything that you'd like to promote and, and tell everyone about to go, go look for? Yeah. Um, so I'm the sky beckons on all the socials and the websites, www.theskybeckons.com offerings. I'm almost always open to coaching people. There's a six week, know your, per- learn your per- life purpose coming soon. I-, I also have like a really good and I think affordable infinite possibilities course, which is based on Mike Dooley's material. And it's really like law of attraction and understanding our limiting beliefs and how our upbringing and programming prevent us from living the life that we want to live. And I think that's a really good introduction to a lot of that metaphysical education that I like, I think that I like people to, to know, um, kind of gives us a common taxonomy of, of things to talk about, really getting into limiting beliefs and rules and how all that stuff holds us back. And when you start to understand how those kind of hidden things hold us back, unshackle yourself from them and really just jump on the rocket ship to, mm-hmm. to be in who you want to be and live in the life that you want to have. Great. Thanks so much. I'll definitely link all of that below. Thank you so, so much for being here and for sharing your voice on this podcast. It's something I love to promote. So thank you. You're very welcome. I'm I'm honored and humbled for the opportunity. Thank you so much.